time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we buy shit we don't need. Ideas are grateful. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. What's up, guys? Anthony here, and Kumba's chilling down by my feet, rocking a little bandana he got at the Salty Dog here in Delray. Took him in for a bath and to have his nails done after my first attempt at cutting his nails failed miserably, and he screamed in pain, bled all over the tiles in the house, and it was a disaster, and I felt horrible and vowed that I would never even attempt to cut his nails again. So I got him in the car and took him over to Salty Dog and they saved the day. So uh, I just got back from Miami and we're doing a solo podcast episode. These ones are a little bit different. We've got like the interviews, then we have the solo podcast where I dive into a specific topic, cover some of the science, tell you some stories about it, how to apply it, those sorts of things. And then these ones are just a little bit more conversational off the cuff, just me and the mic, not edited, or at least most of the time. I've only really recorded one like this, and that one was straight through and not edited. But I like that because it sort of keeps things stream of consciousness and authentic, right? You can't go back and take something out if you drop it. But I want to only make these if you guys like them. So what I'll do is I'll share some things I'm working on, different biohacks I'm testing, experiments I'm engaged in, science I'm finding interesting, some stories from my life, what I'm up to, things that are going well, challenges that I'm working on. And if you guys like it, then we'll make more of them. And if you guys prefer a format that's a little bit less meandering, a little bit less off the cuff, then I'll make more of those too because While these seem to be quite therapeutic, I don't want to make stuff that, you know, you guys don't find interesting where you want to listen to it. So without, uh, yeah, any further ado, well, I actually need to apologize to you guys first. We found out this week after I got a bunch of messages from you guys on Facebook and Instagram that a bunch of the books that you had ordered had not shipped. We had no idea. But we looked into the problem and it had been due to a coding issue that went back a few months. So long story short, a bunch of you guys hadn't been getting your books and you were writing me like, hey, dude, where's my book? Most of you guys were very polite about it. So I appreciate that. Appreciate you being cool about it. Those things, especially when they're technical issues. And I'm like not the most technical of guys. It's uh, they're frustrating, you know. So we got all those books shipped out immediately. Sent apology emails to all of you guys who were impacted by that and then gave you some cool stuff to to make up for it. So hopefully that is resolved. Everyone's book has either arrived or is on its way, depending on when this is released. And I just want to tell you guys I'm sorry about that. And anytime something happens where if you order something from us and you don't get the item or an email, which does not happen a lot, <laughs> it's really just this this case was the uh, the big one. But if it ever happens, it's never on purpose. And just give us a shout and we'll take care of you and get you sorted right away. And yeah, so one last apology and thank you for the way that you guys handled that. And what I've been up to, well, I just got back a little earlier today from Miami 
and you may have just heard the true sea molecular hydrogen water machine kick on behind me. Uh, which is a perfect time for those of you guys who aren't familiar. This machine is pretty rad. It makes molecular hydrogen water. So it adds H2 gas to the water. What's great about H2 gas is that it is a tiny antioxidant that gets into your cells. And this machine makes basically antioxidant water. What they've found with the Kangen machines, which maybe you guys have heard of, these machines that use electrolysis, a lot of the benefits that were popularized were based around the pH effect of the water. Basically, you would get alkaline water. They would, it could be 8.59 or 9.5 pH, and that's what a lot of people attributed the benefits of these Kangen machines to. And as we looked at the science and what was replicable, and as our knowledge in this area has expanded over the past few decades, it now looks like a lot of the benefits of Kangen water were actually coming from the small amounts of molecular hydrogen that were created in this electrolysis process. And even though it was only on average 0.8 to 1.2 parts per million that's coming out of the Kangen machines, it was still enough to help people with a lot of health challenges or even just people who wanted more energy because the H2 gas was cleaning up all the free radicals in their bodies. And you had people getting off prescription medications and going from chronically fatigued or in pain to pain-free and having lots of energy. And this thing eventually became classified as a medical device in Japan. Well, now, after all of this science has emerged, they are making molecular hydrogen water machines. And Trucy has the best one on the market. It makes, it, it, the one that I have is the Elite X, which also has a, an inhalation unit. And it makes around eight to nine parts per million. So compare that to, compare that to the Kangen machine, which is only like 0.8 to 1.2 parts per million of H2 gas. This one, the Trucy Elite X with the inhalation unit, we're talking eight to nine. So it's a big, big difference. And it's ramping up the impetus for a lot of the health benefits, which is that gas rather than the water being alkaline. There's actually a good amount of evidence suggesting that alkaline water may be bad for us, or at least not, uh, not something you want to drink long-term. So Keep all of that in mind. And Trucy is doing a pretty cool case study where you can get a $10,000 molecular hydrogen water machine with inhalation unit completely free. So what you can do if you guys want to be a part of the case study, you go to www.trucyh2.com forward slash biohacks. So I'll spell that out. It's T-R-U-S-I-I-H-2 dot com forward slash biohacks and then you can go there and learn more about the case study and apply for it and if it makes sense you can get 100% of your machine reimbursed and it's a pretty cool case study where I anticipate these Trucy machines will be classified as a medical device in the near future. So anyhow, that was what kicked on behind me and spurred the random but <laughs> opportunely timed uh, little mini commercial for Trucy. So I just got back from Art Basel in Miami, which is an art festival where artists come in from all over the world to showcase their work. It takes place on Miami Beach and then all of these different galleries and restaurants and nightclubs throughout Miami. And it's a really, really good time 
hands down the best people watching on earth. You'll get everything from eccentric billionaires to starving artists to supermodels to aspiring models to everyone in between and, you know, just regular regular folks like me and my buddy Eric who is a friend and former client and he lives down in Miami he splits time between Miami and New York and he's got a financial uh, financial company does a lot of investments in raising capital for uh, for different companies typically in like the silver gold mining and cryptocurrency spaces so I went down to meet Eric for Art Basel, something we've done just about every year since 2015. The first time I went down there in 2015, I was working on the Biohacker's Guide and just putting together different audio clips and uh, outlining the, the framework of the book and, and what I wanted in there. So you go down to Art Basel and they've got this huge tent on the beach with thousands of different sculptures and pieces of artwork. And that's really, really cool. I didn't even end up going there this time. I was running a bit late. So on the way down, one of my friends, Nick, who owns High Vibe Superfood Juicery in Chicago, called me. We were discussing plans for going to Paleo FX in 2019, and he wants to rent a house for a bunch of us. And so we were just talking about some of those different options, and he was shocked. He'd called. I missed his call. He was shocked that I called him back. And the reason I did was because in moving to Florida, it completely changed. I've never been a big phone guy. Even when I lived in Chicago, I just, I don't know. I like talking in person. I love hanging out face to face, but I'm not a big, I'm not a big, hey, let's jump on the phone. FaceTime makes it a little bit better. Zoom and those sorts of things. It's a little bit better, but still not my thing. So Nick joked because he was shocked I even called him back. And that's entirely because I've been making more of an effort to reach out to people I care about and maintain those relationships, keep those connections. Because after a little over a year in Florida, I realized that it's not sufficient to maintain a relationship with someone you care about if you only see them once, twice, maybe three times a year for a couple days. So that's one of the things that I've been working on. And putting myself out there more socially in a new city. Not that I'm like a hermit or anything like that, but I'm used to going out and having fun and having some drinks. Nothing, nothing too crazy, but it's a social lubricant that helps me. I, and I feel like I'm a little bit more fun and interesting. Maybe that's some deep rooted self-limiting belief that I have, but after last night, I'm not so sure. So anyway, um, I've been working on doing social things, but not really drinking or at least at least limiting the amount I drink to like a maximum of three drinks, two or three drinks. And that was the idea. I wanted to go down to Basel. I wanted to see Eric. I wanted to kind of connect with some people and have a good time. But I also didn't want to drink where it was affecting the next day and how I felt and, you know, my ability to, to do stuff that you guys enjoy and produce content. So I went and met up with Eric. We went to a gallery and you walked in and there's just like, it's, it's good looking people. It's, it's affluent, good looking people, artists. It's a, it's a really cool mix. Um, 
we met up with a couple of his buddies who were lawyers, hung out, talked a little bit, looked at some art. There was only maybe 30 pieces in the whole place. So you kind of did a quick lap and then there wasn't much else to do. And then we had reservations at the sushi place on top of one hotel which is pretty good. I got a couple sushi rolls. That was where I had drink number one. Eric doesn't drink at all. He went to AA back around when he was 30 and hasn't drinking since. So now he's in his early 40s. I was, I would guess he's 42, 43. And uh, yeah, hasn't had a drink in, I don't know, close to probably approaching 15 years, but not quite. So we went out and we're at dinner. I got the sushi rolls and then I ordered a drink called Black Magic, which is a mezcal, kind of like a, sort of tastes like a spicy tequila. And then it's mixed with some activated charcoal and then some other things, lime juice. And I'm just gonna be making stuff up if I try to go any deeper into the, into the lineup of ingredients. But, um, so I had one of those, it was pretty good. We enjoyed our dinner and then Carrie, who's the, VP of biohacking secrets over here. He was involved with an event for, and I'm going to butcher the name, but Pierre Jouet champagne. And it's like the, the PJ. I remember back in, back in the days when I socialized more in Chicago, they would bring out bottles of PJ Rose with sparklers and a, a parade of, a parade of bottle service waitresses behind them. And, um, it was, it, it was really cool until it wasn't anymore and it just played out but that was my the extent of my experience with with Pierre Jouet so Carrie invited us to this party and Eric and I headed over there um, and it was behind the Fayana Hotel so this is on the beach and you you go in through the Fayana Hotel I may be butchering that name too but it's F-A-E-N-A sounding so cool that I can't even pronounce the places that I go. And you walk into this place and you go inside and there is a giant woolly mammoth skeleton in like the center of this outdoor garden type area. And this golden skeleton of a woolly mammoth that legit looks real if it weren't covered in gold is in a massive glass encasing with lights shining on it. It's like one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So we walked around Fana a little bit. Uh, I had drink number two there. I got a Tito's vodka and soda with lime. Not that any of you give a shit about what I'm drinking, but I, sometimes I feel like dropping little hints and weird things like that may be helpful. If you guys are like, oh, what do you drink when you're out? You know, I would be curious. That's the type of questions that I would be thinking or, or wondering. So that's why I'm throwing it in. But anyway, you guys can also tell me <laughs> these episodes are not your cup of tea and to throw them in the garbage. And I will happily do that and just start recording audio for myself because it's great. Um, yeah, it just, it feels good talking about this stuff. Maybe I need therapy and I just never got it. I didn't realize it until I'm like an episode and a quarter into to these solo things. 
well, anyway, so we go to the Fiona. I get drink number two, the Tito's with soda water and lime. Eric got some. I got him a bottle of water, but they didn't have any regular size ones. So I got one of those giant glass, like the San Pellegrino size ones, but this was still water. And he's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I'm like, dude, this was all they had. And I didn't want to leave you hanging. So I figured I'd get you a glass in this and I'll help you out with it. So we sat down, we grabbed this, we grabbed a couch uh, along a corridor where like all of everyone that's going to the PJ Rose party on the beach and, you know, coming in from walking along the beach and then they want to check out uh, Fiana, all of those people are walking past and it's just this, this parade of the most incredible people watching that you could imagine. I could have done it all night and been completely satisfied and content with the way the evening went. So we hung out there for, I don't know, 30 minutes or so, and then headed over to the beach where that PJ party was going on. And walk up to the door, The gr- there's a group in front of us that's trying to get in and it's not going well. They're a mixed group. I think actually it may have just been only, um, only African-American group, but the guy at the door was also African-American and they seemed to be arguing with each other whatever long story short their names weren't on the list so then when you see like a group of six people get booted as you're walking up uh, suddenly my confidence that we were on the list dropped a little bit (laughs) and he starts looking up my name he's kind of scrolling 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 never stops scrolling and then he just goes all right go ahead grab your wristbands I looked at Eric and I'm like, I don't know if that dude even found our names on the list. I think he just gave us the go ahead. But anyway, Carrie, <laughs> Carrie gets the credit on that one. And um, he would have got us in even if there was an issue. So we walk in and we get to this event and not more than five minutes after we arrived, it turned into like an episode of the surreal life, like Tyson Beckford, that polo model from I mean, he's been he's been modeling and still looks like the same. Um, I don't know since I was like a kid, and um, if you looked him up, you would recognize him. So Tyson Beckford, the the former polo model, and he's probably doing a bunch of stuff now, walks in wearing a pink blazer, white pants, and some loafers, and almost like immediately goes up to the dance floor, starts talking to a blonde girl who's like attractive but also kind of kind of plastic looking and she looks like she does well on Instagram and um, he walks right up to her and he starts talking to her and I see him like putting his arm around her and then before you even know what happened he grabs her hand and starts dragging her off the dance floor over to the bar and you see her like looking back at her friends like what do I do what's going on here and he's just super confident taking her right over um, right over to get a drink and then like a few minutes later she kind of like somehow detached herself and ran back to her friends. But I was impressed with how direct he was from walking in to like going, getting on the dance floor, grabbing a girl he liked and like taking her off the dance floor. And, uh, if any of you guys have seen the TV show Silicon Valley, well, if you haven't, I recommend it. Well, go on YouTube, look up the epic dick joke from the season finale and If you find yourself cracking up, then you'll like Silicon Valley. If that epic dick joke, you know, doesn't tickle your funny bone, then it's probably not for you. But the show is great, in my opinion. And one of the guys who plays like a douchey Silicon Valley investor, he's like, 
obsessed with the fact that he goes from being, you know, he loses like a hundred thousand dollars or something, but he was right on the edge of being a billionaire. He called it the three comma club. And you know, he loses some money on an investment and drops into like, you know, the $900,000, uh, or I'm sorry, 900 you know, million dollar net worth range. And he's freaking out about it. You know, he's like, he's like, I'm out of the, I'm out of the three comma club. So there's Jared, who's one of the nerdy characters in like the, the, the group that works for Pied Piper. It's like all the main characters work for the same software company. And Jared, who's like their organizational specialist, he's like, he's the tall, skinny guy from the office who seems like an amazing person and always ends up playing like kind of the awkward, uh, you know, like gawky nerd dude. So he's playing that role on Silicon Valley. And this obnoxious three comma club Silicon Valley tycoon character, every time he sees Jared, who's probably, I mean, physically one of, you know, not necessarily someone that you would consider a sexual being. Every time he runs into Jared, he's like, this guy, this guy fucks. <laughs> and it's, it's hilarious. I don't know. It's just great. It's like one of the many nuances of the show. I feel like that's one of those stories where it's like, ah, uh, you had to be there. <laughs> Everyone's listening like what? But Silicon Valley, highly recommend it if, uh, if you haven't seen it and start with, start with season one or use the litmus test of that epic dick joke and, and see if you like it. So, um, where was I going with that? Yeah. So Tyson Beckford, I see that, I see those moves and I'm like, this guy fucks. <laughs> so then Eric and I are talking and we're like just off the dance floor. All of a sudden I look over his shoulder and Paris Hilton is standing there as her sister, like Nikki Hilton walks by. And even having done a bunch of events and gone out a good amount back in the day in Chicago, it was like, it was like huge. If you saw like Joe Rogan or, um, you know, a big, like UFC fighter, like Rashad Evans or something like that, there was rare nights where you would run into like a celebrity celebrity, like a whole bunch of people that you'd seen on TV. I'm like, this must be kind of what it's like in living in LA aside, aside from, yeah. Anyway, um, I'll skip, I'll skip that joke. It wasn't that good. Um, so then Paris Hilton's standing behind Eric. He has no idea. And we sort of, you know, do a little bit of walking around, go to the other side. And then we turn around. I'm like, is that Kim Kardashian? He's like, they would, he's like, I think they have a store in Miami and they would probably come in for, for Miami fashion week. He's like, I saw something where Kanye was at this place, Swan and, uh, some, some new nightclub or whatever. So he's like, he's like, I know Kanye is here. So he's like, that could be Kim. And then, Upon closer inspection, she was wearing this like it was a, it was actually a pretty fucking cool dress. It was this like elegant black dress that had this I don't even know how to describe it. I don't have the the fashion vernacular, but she had a big red thing that was like draped around her shoulders and then kind of attached down near uh, down near her butt and like flared out. It had it had like an extravagance to it that was that was unique and, and definitely took. Um, yeah, it definitely took like some courage and, but it was, it was like, it looked awesome. So upon closer inspection, we realized that was Nicole Scherzinger from the Pussycat Dolls. We're like, wow. All right. So now we got Tyson Beckford running around. We've got Paris Hilton, Nikki Hilton, Nicole Scherzinger from the Pussycat Dolls. And I mean, we're getting a pretty deep bullpen of like B list celebrities here. And, um, 
And then a few minutes later, Carrie comes running up to me and he's like, he's like, Hey, he's like, uh, some guy, some guy, young thug, I guess a rapper I'm assuming <laughs> is going to be performing. And he's like, you know him? And I'm like, ah, sort of like, I've heard some of his songs when I listen to, to new music Friday on Spotify. And, um, but I couldn't, I couldn't name one of them. So he says that moments later, this rapper that's just draped in bling, like it looked like he had either a dozen like diamond chains on, or it was, or he borrowed like one of those Cleopatra type necklaces where it looks like a dozen necklaces, but it's really all one. And it's just, they're all just attached to one another, but he had that type of deal around his neck. He comes out on stage on the beach. So we're all like sort of inside in this tent and then there's just a little walkway and then there's the outdoor area and young thug is out there with his bling and he's surrounded by like some of the, the events dancers and they're all holding the bottles of, of pure Jouette champagne and waving them around and he's rapping his songs. And I'm looking at the event thinking that this had to cost like 200, like a quarter million dollars to put this thing on on the beach during Art Basel with everything that they had there. Everything was free. I wasn't even taking advantage of it, but they were walking around with tons of appetizers and hors d'oeuvres and all the drinks and everything you wanted there was covered. It had to be like at least 150 to 250, maybe even $300,000 for this party, right? And it was all to take, to create like emotions of elegance, upscale, an upscale product, fun, excitement, all of these things. And then, and then sort of attribute them to their champagne. It's like they were creating this experience, which was pretty cool marketing because it works like as, as, as human beings, I'm finding myself in this environment and I'm looking around and I'm like, everything that I'm feeling, all of these, all of these emotions, I'm like, these are happening because of this PJ champagne, which is cool. It's weird that our brains work that way. Cause it's like, it's not none. Like I, I wasn't even drinking the champagne. I had no interaction with the champagne where it had any direct influence on my state or psychology or physiology. And yet it was getting the credit for the good feelings that I was experiencing, which is, was kind of interesting from a marketing perspective. And, um, you know, Young Thug goes in, he's doing a couple songs. You can kind of see he's got like, not like the group, not like groupies. I don't want to use that word because I don't know, you know, where, if, if it, if anything went anywhere, but you, you know, there was, there was definitely like a lot of people hanging around him and, um, and they seem to be interested in getting to know him better. So we're, a couple songs in two songs in, I think it was like the third one. And it's, it's some newer song where he's like rapping over an, an old, um, Elton John track, the rocket man. And Eric looks at me and Eric usually goes home at like 11, maybe 12. So we're approaching 1am right now, which is a record in, in over four years of us, uh, going out together when I'm in Miami, he's never made it this late. So already, already a little, a little win. 
And he looks at me and he's like, Hey, what time do you think you want to stay till? And I'm like, I am ready to go now, bruh. <laughs> and we bounced. We headed home. We were home by 1.30. Got, uh, I crashed at Eric's place in his guest bedroom and then headed back here today. So what I was doing there, I, I've worn the aura ring now, which is like a piece of, of sleep tracking. It's a sleep tracking wearable. So it's a ring that measures your deep sleep, your REM sleep, and tells you how well you're doing. And what I've realized over a few years of wearing the ring are, uh, what I've realized is that there are a few things that tank my deep sleep. One is eating too close to bedtime. If I eat two or three hours before I'm going to bed, my deep sleep is like a third or a quarter of what it would otherwise be. Number two is alcohol. Even as little as one drink within three, four hours of bed and definitely sooner than that, definitely closer to bedtime than that. But even if it's three or four hours before I go to bed, my sleep scores aren't as good. It seems like I just don't get into as as deep of, uh, of a state of, of sleep. And it's reflected in my sleep scores on the aura ring the next day. So this ring basically tracks different biomarkers, your pulse, your respiratory rate, your heart rate variability, and then syncs up with, they have a smartphone application where you can wear this ring in airplane mode 24 seven, which is what I do. And then in the morning, you just take it off. You take your phone and the ring out of airplane mode. You let it sync up with the app and it tells you, it tells you what your sleep scores were. So It's a beneficial tool if you're really trying to figure out what are the things that improve your sleep quality and what are the things that tank it. Um, If your sleep is great, if you wake up refreshed and, you know, ready to jump out of bed in the morning, then it may not be as valuable for you. And you do want to be careful just to make sure that when you're using it, you, you do have an airplane mode. You don't want, you don't want a Bluetooth wearable in direct contact with your finger and, uh, and that, that bone that acts as a, almost like a semiconductor for electricity and, and EMFs. You don't want that on your body all day. So if you do have the aura ring, make sure you've got that thing in airplane mode and you only take it out to sync. And, um, yeah, keep that in mind. If you guys do end up pulling the trigger on one, we have some sort of discount code for it. It's like auraring.com forward slash biohacks or so it's spelled O-U-R-A-R-I-N-G.com forward slash biohacks, B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S, I think. Um, or you can probably just go to the Aura Ring website and then enter discount code biohacks and it'll probably save you, I don't know, 10, 20%, something like that. We've got some deal worked out with them, but this is not actually not in a commercial or anything like that. Um, just figured for those of you guys that were, that were interested. So I'm on my second one. Now I had the original one back in 2016 and then, uh, that broke and they replaced it with the new one. And I've had that for like a couple months. Um, so what else? Yeah. I, I realized that one of the things that tanks it is alcohol and I've been saying, all right, I can't stand and work all the time. I don't have a tremendous amount of hobbies. This is like, (laughs) you realize you get to a point where a lot of your friends, you know, they get married, they start having families and it's great. You see them a couple times a year, but you got to kind of make new friends, especially when you move across the country from Chicago to Florida, like I did. 
you can't just work and, you know, hang out with the people that, you know, here, you got to like get involved in groups and different activities and try different things and see what you like. So I started playing men's league soccer and I, uh, I'm going to be taking some dance classes, doing some kiteboarding, maybe on Saturday, if, if the weather permits, um, and things like that, basically looking for things that I enjoy and then, going to do those to meet other people who are into some of the same stuff. And, um, yeah, so that's, what's been going on with that. What else, what else do we got here? Um, since starting this podcast, it's gone from like light in here to dark and, um, almost like, it's almost like I'm sitting in the, sitting in the dark here recording a podcast. Um, so yeah, in in taking an inventory, bringing a little bit more awareness to basically to take time to reflect on my life. And even if it's just like a minute or two a day, it makes it's made a big, big difference. And I got one of these things called uh, I think it's like a Vertelis journal. I got the name written down here somewhere, but yeah, Vertilis, V-E-R-T-I-L-I-S, chapters. They make this journal where it's it has some similarities to the five-minute journal, which I, you know, I recommended in, in the Biohacker's Guide and I've been talking about for years, but it has an entire page that's just like reflect on your day. And for me, sitting down when I'm winding down at night and taking a few minutes to think through my day from when I woke up to, you know, what work I did, was it meaningful or was I just doing a whole bunch of busy stuff to be, to be efficient at doing the wrong things? Or did I actually create some, did I do some deep work and create some stuff that matters to people? So using this Vertelis journal, I've been thinking it's got the gratitude stuff and it's got, you know, what are you doing? Well, what's not going well, who are people you haven't connected with in a while, different things like that in there. And it, they change it up a little bit and then they have reflect on your day. And in doing that, I, I just, I've thought back over the past few months and I was like the worst I've felt has always been the day after drinking. Even if I only went out and like, didn't even feel like I was drunk at the end of the night, if I just had a few cocktails, the next day I would feel shit, you know, more tired, less motivated, brain not functioning as well. And I do have a genetic variation. Uh, there's a gene called APOE. And this gene codes for a cholesterol transport protein. Um, APOE stands for apolipoprotein, but it's basically, it codes for a cholesterol transport protein. And if you have a certain variation of this gene known as E4, that bond is weak, which, and the result is basically you don't get enough cholesterol and healthy fats to your brain and into the lipid bilayer of your cells. So because it's a weak bond, not as much gets to the places where your body needs it. So your brain and, and again, like the, the surface of your cells, that, that fatty lipid bilayer that controls the good stuff getting into cells and toxins getting out of cells and everything. So over time, this can be a big deal. And it is 
it increases your risk of Alzheimer's, I believe roughly seven times if you have one copy of it, and about 20 times if you have two copies of it. So if you're E4, E4, then you have two copies, and that I am. So technically on paper, I have a 20 times increased risk of Alzheimer's, and that risk increases quite substantially with alcohol consumption, cigarette smoking, and other less healthy lifestyle habits. So in reflecting with the Vertelis Journal, knowing what I know about being APOE, E4, E4, and if those of you guys are listening, you're curious, like, oh shit, do I have that? You can get a test from Life Extension and you can order it and see if see if you have you know one E4 allele or if you have two. And that's what I did a few years ago. That's how I found out. They may even tell you in 23andMe now, but don't quote me on that one. I got the 23andMe test back in 2006. So I don't know for sure if they tell you if you're if, if they tell you your APOE status, but um, it can be good to know. And it can suggest that certain anti-aging and cognitive enhancing interventions like rapamycin may be beneficial. So that was one of the reasons that knowing I was E4, E4, I was like, so I had, my dad has to have at least one. And with his Parkinson's and everything earlier this year, back in like February, 2018, we went to New York and we met with a doctor, uh, Dr. Green and got a prescription, a rapamycin prescription for both my dad and myself. And that was to help with this APOE4 genotype and to improve cognitive function and energy and a bunch of things. There's, there's also a lot of evidence suggesting it could have anti-aging benefits. There's a really crazy study on CNN where they take this 13-year-old puppy and they start giving it rapamycin and the dog goes from like running around for 10 minutes a day and being exhausted to running around for like three hours like a puppy again. I mean, you basically see this dog like aging in reverse. So pretty compelling visual, albeit anecdotal and not human um, that CNN covered. And then now there's been there's been a lot coming out on rapamycin. Different people have asked if if I've talked to Dr. Peter Atia about it because he's he's pretty vocal about using it and I haven't. I used it for I used it from February until a couple months ago, maybe like a month and a half ago. I paused it. And the reason was to see if I felt like it was I was taking that along with GDF 11, which we'll talk about on another podcast. And both are well-documented anti-aging interventions. And I felt like my body was more inflamed, less flexible, more prone to aches and even not necessarily injuries, but I just felt more stiff. And I do feel like that, that, like that is a pretty good indication on the health of your body. If you're experiencing inflammation, your body's trying to communicate with you that something is off. So uh, rapamycin, one of the ways that it works is it's an immunosuppressant and they use it a lot with like organ transfers 
where if someone gets um, if someone gets an organ transferred, they'll put them on rapamycin to actually suppress their immune system, so that the body is more likely to accept the organ transfer. Now that's at very high dosages daily. The way that you uh, that we were taking it for anti-aging purposes and, and to enhance cognition was a little bit different. And again, important to give the disclaimer that applies to every single episode of the biohacking secrets show. And really anything that I say, or we publish, this is for information purposes only. It's not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any medical condition before considering anything we discuss or really any intervention period, you want to discuss it with your physician or trained medical practitioner. So we got that out. But the way that we were taking it is once weekly and the dosage, the dosages can go anywhere from one milligram per week to six milligrams per week, six milligrams per week being more extreme cases, i.e. my dad with Parkinson's, me with, you know, E4, E4, APOE status. So we started out with six milligrams of rapamycin per week. Now, what's the connection to inflammation? I don't know for sure, but... A part of me has to hypothesize that with what we know about many chronic low-level inflammations, <laughs> inflammations, <laughs> low-level infections, that's the, that's the jack hair. Um, what we know about many of these low-level infections like Lyme, which I've experienced along with um, some of the other co-infections that come with Lyme, is they can cause joint pain. Some of these bacterial infections in particular can consume collagen, and these things have been found to correlate with rheumatoid arthritis and other degenerative joint conditions, even, even things as benign and ubiquitous as uh, like overuse injuries and tendinitis. So after a few months of taking the rapamycin, I started noticing more and more inflammation and it seemed like it was building. And I was wondering if it was suppressing my immune system too much. And if there were any underlying infections, they weren't being kept in check as much as they had been previously when my immune system wasn't being suppressed. So that was one of the hypotheses that I wanted to test. And part of the reason that right as of right now, I am not taking rapamycin, but I did over that period of tapering off experiment with everything from six milligrams a week to um, all the way down to one milligram per week. And, um, yeah, just decided the best the best approach was to pause it completely and go from there. So I've been taking a little bit more time these past few weeks to really pay attention to what's going on in my body. Not that I haven't always done that, but also taking time to to do more things for myself. Um, about a month back, I had a, a pretty unique experience, something that I haven't experience before in my life. There was this, you know, things were, things were growing and new opportunities were presenting themselves with what the work we do here at, at biohacking HQ. And what started happening was like this slow incremental erosion of me doing the habits that fill me up and 
doing things that like are fun and have nothing to do with work and are probably on paper considered unproductive, yet at the same time are deeply relaxing and recharging and nourishing to the human spirit. I'd stopped doing a lot of that stuff and I was, you know, I was, I was working a lot and I'd sort of started feeling like Jack Nicholson's character in The Shining, like all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. That's, that's what it felt like was going on. So I knew a change needed to be made, but at the same time, we had a ton of stuff going on. We were working on a webinar that, you know, we, we, we'd partnered on this webinar with uh, client Nick and his girlfriend, Sema, and they're like rock stars in the webinar space. And my buddy, Russell Brunson had been telling me for years that I need to do a webinar. And I'd kind of like, done exactly what, you know, I tell you guys not to do, which is like, I was kind of dabbling in webinars. I wasn't all in on the webinar. And a part of me was like, I think there was an underlying doubt as to whether I could even do a webinar, you know, or make something that like a successful webinar, if you do a good one, that can be, you know, that can, that can do a million dollars itself. Right. So this is like, it, it takes planning and it takes time to create something. And then it has to be something that people resonate with and want. And so there was probably some doubt that I could even do that there. And that had perhaps been one of the reasons I didn't, I didn't go all in. And I think we do that. So if there, if there is an area where maybe you doubt yourself, maybe it's your health, maybe it's your ability to lose weight or, um, you know, or, or overcome a challenge that you're facing right now. If that doubt is there, it will affect your ability to get that outcome because you're not going all in. Like a prerequisite to the accomplishment of anything is this massive commitment, like a decision to cut off everything else that you were considering doing and commit to going all in on that activity. And so if there's anything that you're wanting in your health or in any area of your life, and you're not all in, I'd encourage you not to make that mistake because we all do it and it, it only neuters our results and, and holds us back from making any of that stuff that we really do want possible. It's, it's almost like keeping our options open is every time we try to, to leave an option open, it decreases the probability of us accomplishing the one thing that really matters, you know, and having that singleness of focus and that, and that commitment to go all in, it's so powerful. So in partnering with, with Nick and Sema, I knew that we were going to be following through on this because there were also other people involved, our team and, and Nick and Sema, and they were investing time and energy. I knew that that was, I was all in on it and I was going to make it happen. So as I started feeling some of these things, I also was saying to myself, all right, I'll do it after the webinar. I'll work on that. We'll, we'll grind, we'll hustle all the things that you hear on like every podcast and motivational blog post that's out there. And I'm kind of doing that stuff, but as I'm working more and more, it went from focused chunks of deep work where there are no distractions. I'm working on something meaningful. And then I'm taking some time to relax and recharge to like 
before I knew it, I was skipping things that filled me up. I was taking less time for myself in the mornings, just kind of like rushing through a token workout. And then I was like working all day, but none of it was deep work. It was all this. And this deep work reference is to the Cal Newport book of the same name where he talks about the importance of really focusing on one thing that is important and meaningful to you and hopefully other people and putting all of your faculties into that rather than this myth of multitasking, which is just that it's impossible. And what really ends up happening is we do nothing well. It's like jack of all trades, master of none. The same thing applies when when we're trying to multitask. We're not multitasking. We're really just task switching over and over and over again and preventing ourselves from going deep on something that would really like fire us up, that we would feel satisfaction and achievement in accomplishing so this is what had kind of happened over time. And I was like, you know what? I'll get through the webinar. We'll finish that. And then, and then I'll make a change. And this is like the morning of the webinar. So we're doing these webinars on Thursdays. It's Thursday morning. And I'm feeling the weight of this process that has been happening for weeks and, you know, neglecting the things that fill me up. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go for a run. I'll jog outside in the sun, shirtless around Del Rey. That'll help me feel good. I'll do some thinking and I'll get in, in a good state for this webinar that's going down later tonight. So I go for a jog around and I'm thinking like, yeah, I need to make some changes. I can tell this isn't, this isn't, uh, I'm not coming from as healthy of a place as I could be coming from, uh, physically and, and psychologically. Now I'm going to add a layer to this as well. And that layer is a week or so before I was down in Austin for the on it podcast. I did the, I recorded the, the human optimization hour with Kyle Kingsbury. So Aubrey Marcus, who wrote own the day, own your life, a founder of on it partners with, uh, with Joe Rogan and Kyle Kingsbury is like Aubrey's right hand man. He runs their human optimization hour podcast and a bunch of other stuff at on it. And he's like, for those of you that don't know Kyle, he's like a mountain of a man. He looks like he was bred from some combination of like Vikings and Spartan warriors and has the skill set to back it up too. The guy was a, an accomplished UFC fighter, knows his stuff about health, has had, has interviewed a lot of top luminaries and thought leaders in the space and, um, overall great guy, like, a the definition of, a peaceful warrior, right? So I was on that podcast with Kyle and while we were there uh, off mic, he was talking about how when things have been pretty busy at on it, you know, they've they've used new vigil, which is like a, a version of modafinil. So for those of you guys who aren't familiar like modafinil or provigil, it's this it's this prescription drug that is used for night shift workers but it's also used by fighter pilots and now is being applied by many people in a similar fashion to Adderall. So like when you have a ton of stuff that you need to get done, you'll take a modafinil or, you know, slash provigil. Those are the same thing. Or as Kyle was mentioning, a new vigil 
and you know, you're more awake You get your stuff done and whatever. I've even talked to guys who are, they wake up in the morning and they're so exhausted. They've got like a bottle of, of modafinil next to their bed. They'll take 200 milligrams of modafinil, sip of water, lay back down. And then when it kicks in, that's when they get out of bed and get their day started. So Anyhow, in talking with Kyle, him and Aubrey have built this $100 million company or so, sort of half making up numbers, but it's probably around there and um, in, in revenue. And, you know, he's talking about how when when they had to get a lot of stuff done, that was something that he utilized. And we didn't, he didn't really say specifically if, if Aubrey was involved, but I'd assumed from the tone of the conversation that it was something that he had utilized. And I was like, you know what? These are getting, these guys are getting a ton of stuff done. I've got a lot on my plate right now and yeah, I'll try it. We'll consider it a, a biohacking experiment and see how it affects things. So one of my friends who's a physician, um, gets me the script and I'm like, three days into new vigil now. So taking this and and what I had been feeling for the first two days was I definitely got a lot of stuff done, but I felt like an emotionless robot. It was, I was so focused on productivity and output and it was coming at the expense of like human connection. I don't know how to explain it. It wasn't like... I don't know what it's like to have <laughs> to have Asperger's. So, I mean, that's that's probably not even a fair comparison. It's too extreme. But it felt like almost being antisocial and having your emotions turned off. At least for me. That was, you know, that was what it did for my for my neurochemistry. I had tried modafinil a few years earlier and had a similar experience. Modafinil may have even been more extreme, but even getting a ton of stuff done, those feelings weren't worth it to me. It wasn't, that's not, those aren't feelings that I value and want to have more of in my life. I'm, I've been working on having a stronger connection between my head and my heart and making more decisions from a heart centered place. The last thing I need is, is 200 milligrams of modafinil or, or new vigil in the mix. But anyhow, it's day three, the day of the webinar, and I'm on dose three of this stuff. So I'm on my run, as I mentioned, jogging around Delray, and I get back to my place, and I strap on these teeter inversion boots. So basically like those teeter inversion tables where you kind of hang yourself upside down to decompress your spine, they make some boots. And we had installed a rogue fitness pull-up bar on the side of the house. It's about eight feet high and it's kind of cool. It's in this, like on the side of my house, I've got a bunch of these tropical green plants and like you can see them looking out the kitchen window. But then when you open up, when you open up the white gate to the side of my house, it just looks like a tropical alleyway. And then sticking out from the house about eight feet above the ground is this black metallic pull-up bar from Rogue. So I strap on these teeter inversion boots that like they wrap around your ankle just above your foot. And then they've got like a hook that is it's sort of like hooking up towards you so you can hang upside down like Batman from this thing. So I jump up on there. I grab on. I I hook the you know, my shins to the pull up bar and I lower myself down. So now I'm hanging upside down and stretching out like my transverse abdominus and those intrinsic abdominal muscles and some of the 
some of the things, you know, your psoas and, and these muscles and fascia that can, that can cause pain in your back. So if any of you guys are dealing with back pain, definitely consider hangs, but that's going to be even more beneficial for the shoulder and not so much for the back, you know, just hanging from a pull-up bar by your hands. Um, but you'll get the most benefit from using an inversion table or this type of like teeter inversion, um, gravity boots like I was wearing. So I hang upside down wearing those for a few minutes and then as I'm coming right side up, you know, I kind of do like a Rocky style setup, and you come up and you grab the bar by where your feet are hooked and I unhook myself and lower my legs down to the ground. And as I'm doing that, I all of a sudden feel this wave of dizziness come over me and I was in a terrible snap. <laughs> I thought it would add, add an effect to snap, but like that lights went out. The day before, I'd borrowed a handsaw from my neighbor and was cutting down some of these bigger bushes on the side of the house that were like not particularly visually appealing, but were sticking out in the way and just some of those branches that like just scratch you and are annoying. So I'd gone to the base of the trunk of these bushes and I was cutting those with the handsaw and then, you know, taking them out to the street and throwing them away. And I'd left the I'd left the stumps exposed, you know, where they were still sticking out of the ground a few inches, but they're like over by the fence, out of the way, not near the pull-up bar, wasn't a big deal. Well, I black out, lights go out, and I come to, and I'm, I've fallen back against the fence. One of those stumps has dug into my back and like ripped it open. Another one's digging into the bottom of my right thigh, and I sit up, and I'm bleeding and I'm like, what the fuck just happened? And I'm scared because I've never blacked out or, you know, fainted. I don't know what it was. Nothing like that in my life. So all of these feelings of trying to push too hard and grind and not doing things to, to nurture myself and everything that I was feeling sort of came to a head in this moment. And it was like that conversation I was having on the jog where I'm like, yeah, I'll just, I'll, I'll get through the webinar and we'll, we'll finish this and this. And then, you know, then I'll, I'll, I'll get things back in order. I'll, I'll, you know, be more balanced and take more time for myself. And it was like the universe grabbed me by the scruff and shook the shit out of me and was like, nope, you're doing it now, brah. So... I came to and got myself um, dusted off and I actually went to the beach. I was like, I need to just go lay down, maybe do some breath work or think at the beach. I was, I was still a little bit in shock at like what had just gone down and having experienced something that the severity of which was amplified because I've never experienced anything like that in in 36, almost 37 years. I'm turning, I'm turning 37 on December 19th. So blacking out is a big deal. And I go to the beach and I've got like a bed sheet that I keep in the back of my truck and a towel. And I, I grab those and I walk to the beach and I throw them down in the sand and I kind of lay down and, um, I just started crying. I was just like, it felt like 
I had this huge weight on me and inside of me and the, the, those, those feelings of being scared and confused, all of it was like, it just, I needed to release something. So I just started crying a little bit, but growing up, I never saw my dad cry. So I tried to never cry growing up. And still to this day, even after doing work on myself and giving myself permission to cry when, um, you know, when I felt like I needed to, my knee jerk reaction when I start to cry is still, you know, stop crying pussy. And so I had like a little bit of a cry, but it definitely didn't get into the therapeutic range. It was like a few seconds and then, you know, and then I stopped myself. Um, and I was like, come on, let yourself cry. What's the big deal? And then the, you know, the guy on my other shoulder was like, nope, don't do it. <laughs> don't be a little bitch. So I just laid there on the beach and I did some breathing and thinking, and I was like, a change needs to be made. This is, this is, you know, the universe picking me up by my ankle, shaking me around, you know, slapping me on the back and saying, dude, why are you doing this? What's the point? No one, no one wants anything that you're putting out. If it's just running you into the ground in the process, you're not even coming from a place where people give a shit if you're like that. And, um, and that was, and that was what I felt. So Carrie and his brother Grant and his girlfriend, Steph came over and Grant and Steph were going to run to the coffee shop and do some work there. And Carrie and I were going to be working here for the rest of the day. And then, and then doing the webinar and, um, Grant asked if he could get a workout in at my gym. We've got like, we've got the whole garage tricked out with different, different biohacking gear from, you know, the, the fit wood rig and pull up bar and all of that to an infrared sauna and a power plate, whole body vibration plate and a row machine ton, you know, weights up to, up to 90 pounds. And we probably should get those a little bit higher and kettlebells, you name it, it's in there. And, and we've, yeah, and we've even got that, that Home Depot freezer on the way, which I mentioned in a previous episode for, for on-demand cold plunges. So Grant asks if he can get a workout in and I'm like, yeah, sure. I tell him what happened. Um, and a few minutes later, Carrie, who had gone out to the garage with Grant comes walking back in and he's like, Hey man, do you want to call this webinar and, uh, just cancel it? And I thought about it and I, you know, I want to keep my word. That's important to me. And, and there's like a thousand people that are registered for this thing. So I don't want to just bail on them because, because I've been, I've been neglecting the obvious for a few months. And I said, no, let's do it. We'll do the webinar and then we'll put some pieces in place so that we've got a better workflow over here. And we're both taking more time for ourselves and, and, and for, you know, a spiritual practice and prayer and meditation and these things that for me at least make a big difference and take some of the, the pressure that it's sometimes, you know, we sometimes feel when we imagine we have to do it all on our own. You know, when you feel like you're creating or working or uh, going after things from by yourself on an island that's, that's a lot. And for me, when, when I take time to connect with a higher power, I you know, I was baptized Catholic, but I'm far from a religious person. 
Um, and I don't necessarily think that the religion in this case, in a higher priority issue of connecting ourselves as, as humans and, and spiritual beings to a higher power, I think that takes precedence over whatever religious doctrine you, you, you use to do that. It's just taking the time and, and, and creating that connection and those feelings in yourself. At least that's sort of how I look at it at this, at this point. Um, so I had wanted, I said, you know what, let's, let's sort of do the webinar, show up for the people who are expecting us to be there and then we'll reevaluate things. And we did the webinar and it was, it was okay. Definitely not my best as, as you would have guessed. And then I started making some changes. I said, this is, this is a big deal. I need to take more time for play. I need to do more of the things that I'm, that fill me up and take time for social activities and just letting myself recharge rather than allowing the workday to become this, this long marathon experience where the day finishes, I'm stressed. I've worked a lot yet accomplish nothing. That was, that was the change that I knew I needed to make. And I needed to carve out more time for, for myself and that connection that we mentioned. So on Saturday, I go and I meet my friend Danielle and she does structural integration, which is like a form of body work and rolfing where you find trigger points and biomechanical imbalances in the body and, and, uh, work through them. Often, in a manner that's not the most comfortable feeling you've ever experienced. You know, there's, they're getting in there and breaking up fascia and, and knots and different uh, mechanical imbalances with, with a combination of technique and brute force. But Rolfing, R-O-L-F-I-N-G, and structural integration, which are both almost identical. The only real difference is the angle of that, the, that the pressure is applied at. Um, and then structural integration has like a specific, um, I think it's like a 10 session program that is, is one of their methodologies for this stuff. So I go see Danielle once a week and she does structural integration and we do some, some work with her for biohacking. And she had, she had heard my podcast with Ben Greenfield and then reached out and, um, we had a lot in common, so we thought this would be a fun little, fun little exchange and time for us to hang out. So I bring some kratom, which or or kratom as we call it here in the United States. And if you're not familiar, kratom is a uh, it's a plant from Indonesia and Thailand. That's it's a leaf that has an effect similar to opiates, but it is natural. A lot of the labor workers over there will chew the leaves to give them energy throughout the day, especially like the green varieties, like a, like a superior Malaysian or, um, or a Mangda. Those are the types that are used for, for their energizing effects. And they'll chew those leaves during the day because it gives them energy and helps them work longer hours. So, Jake Prazik, who is, he had two world records in bench press. I think he just has one now. He w was at the second men's biohacking week and uh, had an amazing experience. You know, we helped with insomnia and anxiety and a bunch of other stuff. And um, he sent his right hand woman, Amy, 
to a workshop to do some one-on-one stuff with us. And uh, they brought a huge bag of this Mangda Kratom with them as a gift. So Danielle had expressed interest in it and I brought this bag of Mangda Kratom to my structural integration appointment. We both did a little toss and wash, threw some back about, I think we did about um, maybe two, um, probably about a full teaspoon. So like two doses of half a teaspoon and then maybe we did a third a little bit later after we were able to assess effects. And we did that and we were talking and and so this is now a few days later and I'm telling her about what happened with the blackout. And as she's doing her thing, she looks at me and she's like, she's like, didn't Aubrey blackout too while driving his car recently? And I was like, shit, he did. Completely sober, Aubrey, Marcus had blacked out and got in this real bad car accident and hurt himself pretty bad. Luckily he survived and he was all right and some and, and the damage was more just just cosmetic. Oh, that's Kumba. Kumba having a little cough. You all right, buddy? Um, so the damage was mostly cosmetic. But after after she mentioned that, I was like, I wonder if that was related. I wonder if 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 he was taking new vigil and it's just weird that two guys who are otherwise pretty healthy, despite certain certain lifestyle imbalances, which was, you know, my own doing, it's weird that the two of us would that the two of us would both would both black out within a short period of each other and the the very substance that may have contributed to my experience may have also been taken by Aubrey. So that was one of the things that sort of, that sort of popped in my head. And, um, so we did our thing and, and, uh, you know, the appointment went well, we had a good time. We usually end up hanging out longer than, uh, longer than the session time. Like I'm going there, I'm going there tomorrow for another session. And, uh, so she's like, after your session, you want to, uh, (laughs) she's like, do you want to do like, sauna and cold plunge and I'm like yeah sure so it's just like it's it's fun it's a cool facility they have they have a lot of high level biohacks for athletes and some of the fighters that train there and then Danielle has a lot of these tools for accelerated recovery from hyperbaric oxygen to the cold plunge and the infrared sauna as I mentioned and then she does um, she does some great work with with structural integration so that's sort of the plan for Saturday and I'm gonna go there and we'll um, we'll do that and that is a quick synopsis of a lot of a lot of what I've been up to lately. We had, you know, the surreal life at at Art Basel, as I mentioned. Some cool stuff with um, with kratom. I've had some good experiences with that. It's not it's not necessarily something that um, that it's it's in a, a bit of a legal gray area right now in the United States. So, um, you know, do your own research and and the keep in mind that the. If, if it is something that you decide you want to experiment with, the, the specific species does matter. So the more energizing ones are the, the greens. The, it's Superior Malaysian is my favorite and uh, my favorite place that, or my favorite kind that I've tried so far is from Kratom Jane. So they've got a Superior Malaysian that's real good, but you need to take, or at least I needed to take four to 
four to six of these capsules on an empty stomach. That was a big one. I noticed when I take the Kratom and it's not on an empty stomach, I don't really feel it. Um, but on an empty stomach, I had, I've had some very, very fun nights. It's relaxing, anxiolytic, so it has like a calming anti-anxiety effect. And I had um, I'd gone to a tango class with a girlfriend, and I just remember how much I was laughing. You're not like, you're not at all fucked up. You just kind of feel relaxed and good and your brain still functions. So we did this tango class, um, myself and a friend, and it was great. We had a blast and we were just dancing and I was making a whole bunch of terrible jokes and I, I really enjoyed that part of it. And then I've tried a few other kinds and, um, you know, I like Amy and Amy and Jake's stuff. They sent a big bag of the, of, of green mang da. M-A-E-N-G-D-A, which I may be incorrect here, but I do believe is is in some facet a synthetic form of Kratom. And then they sent me a white, which is a little bit more calming and, and relaxing. So I've done the white before going to like a, a hot yoga class. And then they've got red, which is Kumba just, Kumba just plopped on top of me like I need attention now. <laughs> and the red is a little bit more for pain and uh, sleep, but I haven't used the red too much. So yeah, that's as they say in America, Kratom. And as they say in Thailand and Indonesia, Kratom. And that is a distinction that Hamilton from Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia made. If you guys haven't seen that show, it's a, a great one too. He covers, he covers various psychedelic and controlled substances, the pharmacology of them, uh, the chemistry, what goes on uh, when they are ingested into the body. And then at the end of each episode, he tries them himself and documents the experience and then kind of gives you his his take on it so if you haven't seen hamilton's pharmacopoeia that is another another tv show of the few that i watch i'm pretty much stand-up comedy hamilton's pharmacopoeia some silicon valley i guess i've been watching more tv lately season nine of curb your enthusiasm that's that's one of my favorite seasons of TV, period. So if you like Seinfeld and um, and you find that sort of thing funny, check out season nine of Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David and uh, you'll have a good laugh. So that's basically all I had for this episode. If you guys enjoy it and you like these long form ones, let me know. Um, run over to iTunes. Don't run. Open it up in a in a in a new tab, and uh, go to the Biohacking Secrets show and leave a review. And let me know that you like these episodes. And similarly, if you want me to, if you want me to not do them and just focus on the interview styles or where I script out a specific biohack and it's much, much tighter and less conversational and meandering, then let me know that too, and I'll stop doing them. Um, so yeah, and anyway, if you guys enjoy the Biohacking Secret Show, you've got any value from it, and some of the experiments and testing and things that we do over here, or you just like the show, or even you just want to help us out and help more people discover this, leave us a review on iTunes and um, let me know what you think. I was reading some of those earlier, and it's actually pretty awesome because sometimes when you're doing stuff, I don't know if you guys have ever felt this, but sometimes when I'm doing things and, and creating it over here, you wonder if, if it is impacting people the way that you hope it would. 
And I was reading some of those reviews on iTunes earlier today and like they were amazing. You know, some of the things that you guys were saying, it was, I don't know, it was, it was so cool. Like <laughs> it made me almost cry, but that's a big deal because now you guys know that I have a problem with that. <laughs> so yeah, if you guys, uh, if you guys are willing to help us out, head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review for the biohacking secrets show. If you feel it is deserving of, of such a high rating and it would mean a ton to me. And I really appreciate you guys hanging out. If you don't already have my free book, the biohackers guide to upgraded energy and focus, you can get that at biohackersguide.com. We'll ship it anywhere in the world. Just help out with the cost of shipping. We've got that true C case study where you can see if you qualify for a free $10,000 molecular hydrogen water machine with inhalation unit. The one that I have is the Elite X. That's what you've probably heard running behind me periodically throughout this episode. And I appreciate you guys hanging out. You are the reason that we make these episodes and videos and newsletters. So let me know what you guys like and what you want me to make more of and what you want me to make less of. And thank you so much for being you. I appreciate you hanging out. And if you're pushing yourself in any of the ways that I was where you're not taking time to fill yourself up and it's become a little bit of all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, I'd encourage you to take a step back and realize that if something happens to you or I or any of us, the world keeps going. And a lot of the things that we think are huge deals at the time often don't matter in the scheme of things. What really matters are, are the people in our lives, the relationships that we have and those that we love and care about. And that, that company should include ourselves. So make sure that you know, during the holiday season or really any time of year that you're taking the time to show other people that you love them, that you care about them. And you're also doing the same for yourself and carving out some time each week to do things that you're passionate about and that you enjoy and that fill you up. And that may mean experimenting with some different activities, but be willing to do it. It's fun. And if you got to try 10 different things to find two or three that you like and keep as a part of your routine for the rest of your life, it's totally worth it. So thanks guys. Appreciate you. Love you. Thanks for hanging out. And I'll talk to you soon in another episode of the biohacking secrets show. 